0: Hi everybody welcome to not that kind of rabbi i'm ralph ben murky the host of the actual podcast and uh, we take a look at people through a spiritual lens on this program uh people who come from all walks of life and all kinds of passions and beliefs and non-beliefs you know one of my favorite things is I, i do spiritual uh counseling with people one of the things is they go look don't get me wrong i don't believe in god so the question that you have to ask at that point is well Tell me about the God you don't believe in. And usually what it ends up being is a kind of a version of, you know, there's a guy on a throne with a beard and a naughty and nice list, which I try to remind people is Santa Claus, not actually God. So it would be best to stay away from that idea uh, because I actually don't see and I've spoken about this before in the program. I don't, I don't see God as a noun, as a thing. It's a verb. It's the action of everything in the cosmos and somebody said to me you know I, look what you live you die i'm nothing i said but you have an effect on on, on everything and I, what do you mean so i said take a plastic bottle toss it into the water the minute you've done that you've started a ripple effect that is going to resonate throughout this planet your action matters and you have a choice you want to be a, a healthy cell in the body of all this crazy stuff we can never understand or do you want to be a cancerous cell and every day we have to make that decision and some days you do both in the same day because hell we're just human beings there's nothing we can do just finished the holiday of passover i'm jewish so that happens for me it's our jewish christmas which uh, i say because it is the big family meal where you turn at one point and your mother's just glaring at you and you think what did i do what I'm do we do you mean did I forget to give you something? What and then your sister just looks at you and goes, What are we doing? Where are we? And that, you know, that's family. So, this year we had to do it, of course, virtually on Zoom and even though it was the usual chaos of, of Ben Mergey tribe doing their thing. Uh, it ended up being quite lovely in its way. And there was something actually nice about everybody not having to pile into the car and get to some place. You know, most of my family lives in Ottawa having to drive to Ottawa and stay overnight and get the thing done. Not that I would say it's not good to hug people and be around them, but it's been pretty nice this time. So uh, for all the Jewish people, um, if you're not Jewish, just watch uh, Cecil B. DeMille's four-hour movie, The Ten Commandments. That's the Exodus story. It's all you need to know, except for the really corny romance pieces that he threw in there, which are just inevitable. There's nothing. And Pharaoh is not Yul Brenner. Pharaoh is the internal tyrant that drives you up a wall and is critical of everything you do. That's your Pharaoh. All right, that's my thing. I'm excited because I've never actually spoken to my guest at this point in my life. And I have had the honor of speaking to all kinds of people throughout my life. Uh, And this one just got away. He just slipped out of the net and off he went. So now he's here and I'm happy he's here. Uh, Alan Doyle is my guest. Alan Doyle, you know from his... In music from Great Big C, his solo career and his authorship. And, and it, that is becoming a bit of a prodigious part of Mr. Doyle himself. Is now they come to him and say, write another book. And he goes, well, okay. <laughs> and then he does it. That's the crazy part. So Mr. <laughs> Doyle. Welcome to Not That Kind of Rabbi. It's great to have you here.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's nice to talk to you. I must say, I miss your voice. Uh, you know, I, I miss your voice on the radio and and, and all that stuff. I, I was, I've been a long uh, fan of, you know, of the CBC and of uh, various, you know, things that I, I do. It's funny that there are voices, you know, like yourselves and perhaps, you know, Sheila or someone or, or, you know, a few others locally here in St. John's that just, I feel like, even though this is really the first time we got a chance, the chat i feel like i know you
0: <laughs> well, don't you get the same thing when, pe- when people see you on a stage and you sing and then they walk up to you i don't how do you, i don't know how you feel about this part i was always uh when it was an obvious thing uh there was a bit of an uncomfortableness and an honor when people would come to you and go oh i love your music you know, I, I listen to you all the time. You help me through the hardest things. How do you respond when people do that, when you're just walking down the street with your son or something? How do you respond to that?
1: It's all, you know, it's always, uh, I, I always love it. But I mean, my, I'm, I, you know, a holic. So, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, I'm, you know, if you're worried that there are people out there that, you know, will come up to you and randomly talk to you or whatever, I'm one of those people. Like, I'm like, I am like, so, you know, I, I you know, I, 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 I'm not the good one to judge whether or not people should have the meet and greet after the show, because I always want to do, it. <laughs> but you know, and, you know, that's one of the. I think that's one of the blessings of my life and is, is that, you know, that, you know, my personality or my energy or whatever is conducive to that kind of thing because that's the kind of thing that usually drives people crap, you know, who are who are in the public eye and don't like it, you know, and, and it's one of the strikes against it and I've never ever found a strike, so, you know, lucky me. And I have lots of friends who are great and reasonable and excellent people who just don't dig that kind of interaction, you know, and um, I uh, yeah, it's I've a- always enjoyed it, you know, and I think part of the reason I've always enjoyed it is because I'm from a small place, you know, like where in my most formative years, I, I didn't get to meet many people, you know? And so I always thought about that as a, as a treat that might come someday if I ever got, you know, a job where you got to meet people from different places and talk to them about what they did there. And, you know, and so I, I run think.
0: Running into all the townies and just go, Oh, hi. Yeah.
1: Well, honest to God, I City. mean, you know, we uh, really, I mean, you know, f- you know for your listeners, the the Newfoundland is divided into two groups of people, right? the Baymen and the townies, and I was a Bayman, you know, from a little small fishing town. and uh, coming to St. John's was a big deal, you know, and like, and I would like go to a school where not all the people in your grade were your cousins. It was, it was an amazing amazing thing. so yeah, you know i I, I never minded that kind of thing because you know chatting to people is uh, is all part of it for me. and you know it's all part of a night out.
0: I love it. Uh, I'm more of an introvert. So for me, it was kind of this is and then uh, my first wife, uh, not that there's been eight or anything, but my first wife uh, did uh, used to say to me, you know, they are honoring you by saying hello. Why don't like you're looking down at the ground and hoping this ends soon. And I really had to learn I really took that to heart. And I learned to just look up and say, thank you very much. And then want to know about them.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are people. There are people in the world who are, um, who are experts at that kind of thing. You know. Yeah. You know, like, and I think it's because it comes from a genuine place. You know, a genuine curiosity about other people. You know, and like, there's no one better on earth at it than Ron McLean. You know. Right, right, right. You know, right. Ron could fly back into St. John's tomorrow and remember the girl's name who, you know, cleans the dishes at the fish and chip shop, you know, (laughs) like, you know,
0: I freaked out when I went to Newfoundland the first time I'd never been there. And the culture shock from being, you know, from the mainland and getting in there is just like, what is going on here? And I had a few friends by then from CODCO. So, you know, I sort of hung on to them was like, please explain this place to me. Uh, But I couldn't believe like CBC was like a religion. Oh, yes. So I, 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 went, I went into it like I was on radio at the time nobody knew what I looked like then so I so I uh, I go into a store to, and I, they had some craft stuff beautiful glassware and things and I was I just start talking and the woman just goes you're Ralph Ben Murky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how the hell do you know that and oh. and then I get to the office to start doing the shows that we were going to do the radio shows the phone rings and some somebody picks it up and goes uh, it's for you actually. I know no one on the on the island, so I walk over to the phone. Hello, and they go, Hi, how are you doing, my dear? I said, I'm good. He goes, Just wanted to say welcome to you. Understood you came into town. and Love what you do. Just love what you do. And I was like, Oh we my lo- god, this place.
1: We do love to see people coming, you know, and that's probably one of the, one of the things that you know has always helped me in in you know in the situation we were talking about where people you know coming up to you talking to you so my like, god there's nothing better than that be good. it could be you could be out you know and 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 it, you know it has changed of course somewhat over you know my adult life you know where you know um, but it's still like it you know god knows now after this year of being in this room for a year <laughs> that it's, uh, yeah, it's always been a joy of mine, I'll, I must say. And and, and you know, in all honesty, I think it's a great thing to, you know, to have a, you know, a group of people, we'll say a band or, you know, a, a, a troupe or a, a traveling party that has both that has people you know who are not you know you know because I was you know certainly in bands over the years but people who were not inclined to go stand by the merch table and talk to someone about their cousin's cabin you know in, in a large and you know but I mean You know it does afford you an opportunity to to sort of to buy cred in the company too you know it's like i'm I'm totally happy to do that you guys load the van i'll go do that you know like
0: like a punishment which it isn't all right i have words that i want to give you and i want to know your what what it evokes for you so here's one loyalty what does that mean to you
1: not very much in honesty, it's a, and I'll tell you why. It, it's because it's often used in my business as a kind of uh, uh, an obligation. And I always tell people, like, especially who, who work together in a professional sense, I never need you to be loyal to me. I will never ask you to be loyal to me. If I'm a good idea and if what I'm doing is fun and interesting for you, please participate with me. When I need a favor, I promise I will ask. I promise I will. Uh, but I find, I don't know, there's something about, like. Maybe it's in like I watch too much Sopranos or something. That there's something about the word loyalty that has a negative connotation for me that I don't like. It like uh, it, it implies loyalty. to me that there's an obligation in it that I'm insisting you have, if or or that you insist that I have. Right. And so and I and I don't like it in in a weird way.
0: You know, it's interesting because there's this idea of the poisoned gift. You you give somebody something, and there's something you inject into that gift that makes it not quite as pure as you would like, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, in that regard, I'm glad you said that actually, because here's a here, here's one of the things when my friends Alan hako and Perry Chafe and all the guys, uh you know, eight or ten years ago now, got locked in, uh, they presented the idea of doing this dad and son television show that became the Republic of Doyle on the CBC for a year. And it was a coup. Like, they were they were going to be shooting it here and they were writing it and doing it. And I and I, I was trying to think of how I could offer help without making it sound like I needed them to be loyal to me in some fashion and give me something to do on it. And I, I, I so I figured out what I would say to them when I say, other than congratulations and this is so awesome and all that kind of stuff. I said, I will do I will happily do anything you need me to do, including nothing. <laughs> if you don't need me to do anything, right. please don't find awesome. Like I'll just cheerlead. That's totally my too. Like and and, that's
0: just a gift. That, yeah. that that's not the poison gift of hey man, congratulations. Boy, I've always wanted to do stuff like that. That's just great. Yeah, <laughs> you're like oh
1: yeah, and I think that that I, you want me to
0: be loyal to you.
1: Yeah, and I and again, like so I I'm, I'm very careful about that because I'm very careful about loyalty. I don't I, I wanna make it clear that if I've earned it with someone else, I, that doesn't mean I ever need them to earn it with me. I don't I just don't I don't like the I don't like the it almost sounds like a ledger of some kind, you know. And
0: it can be right. The obligation <laughs> is inherent in the saying of, well, look, I was loyal to you. you got to be loyal to me. And loyalty can also be uh, come from a weakness in a person.
1: It- yeah. And like I don't like I'll, I'm very careful to say it. And I know it's probably semantics, but it's just like, you know, I I never ask it of people and I don't, you know, if if there's something happening in your life that means you have to do something else, then please, please do. And if and like I say, if if i and I'm very clear to sort of add to the thing, if I need a favor, I will ask. So I'm not asking you to do this because it's a good idea. I'm asking you because I, I need a favor right now.
0: All right. So let me go from loyalty to family yeah when I say family, what comes to your mind?
1: My family you know and I'm you know for Newfoundland of course we' you know family occupies. A, a kind of... A, a, well, I, I used to think it occupied a really different place than it actually does, I suppose, because, you know, families... In, I never ever imagined growing up that family could mean as much in a big city as it does in a town of 500 people. Mm. But, of course, then, you know, you start meeting families, as you say, the Ben Murgay clan, you know, I, you know, I'm, it, and it does. You know, it, it, it does mean as much in different circumstances and all that stuff, but families in Newfoundland... I think are very it, that that sort of topic is very closely connected with town as well, and and you know small towns and fishing communities and harbors and the like, where where. Uh you know your extended family really ends up being the town, right? Because that's you basically do everything together. I mean, you you know, they're you they're, you, you entertain each other and you you, know, you you go to school together and you effectively live together and you play sports together and you know, and all those things that you only have your town's people to do it with when you're from an isolated little place, right? And and so, yeah, it, it's you know, I, I it, it occupies. A what what I thought was a completely unique place in Newfoundland, and I've come to learn it really isn't totally unique, but it is it is a different scenario, the concept of family when you're in a in a place that's has a small population and you live within nine feet of each other, like unlike say a farming you know area where the houses are probably you know kilometers and kilometers yeah. apart. I mean in Petty Harbour where I grew up, I mean the you know the the houses are inches from each other uh going yeah. to heal right but you know what the other
0: part of it i find interesting is sometimes family can define you in ways that are restricting that really make you feel like no no but you're alan you you this is how you do things how oh, yeah. do you how do you grow your your individual part of yourself when somebody like you who cherishes family doesn't run away from it, and my God, your parents moved to St. John's, you know, your your siblings moved, and they all live on the same bloody street. So, like, everybody's close, right? But how do you then still get to go, you know, I know you guys think I'm just like this, but yeah. there's this other part of me that's growing, and I need that some room for that. How do you do that?
1: Well, now, again, I, I'm probably not the best guy to ask <laughs> that question to, and here's why. I was born into the Doyles. In Petty Harbor, right? And for generations, literally generations, like well beyond my grandfather, the Doyles are the band. Like they my uncles all played in bands. My mother was the church organist. My father sang in the you know, like. I replaced my father in my uncle's band. <laughs> like no, like, <laughs> like like I am wearing the Doyle brand like nobody ever has. You know, so <laughs> so you're
0: good with the assignation yeah.
1: like, I, like for me, like it's like I think it would be different for my you know one of my sisters you know who's not a singer for example. She so go like, oh, you're a Doyle for of Betty Hyatt. Yes, but I, you know I'm I'm a medical professional. I don't sing. You know, like like. <laughs> (laughs) I'm responsible for the uh, for the mold more than that but I also yeah and I, I still and I only say that because I know that it's one of the big things that makes me lucky you know and i I always say that i'm lucky and people say no but you worked hard and all that stuff too and and i go yeah but i'm not really talking about that you know like you know sure yeah great, but i was also born into the doyle family in petty harbor and i wanted to be in a band like it's like you know like this is like
0: which came first wanting to be in the band or being like
1: i don't know i mean that's literally and that's even the greater blessing isn't it i I always people say my, my my joke is you know how people say they they learn their lessons the hard way I always go, I learned mine the easy way. I didn't even know I was learning. It's like I was ten before I, I knew everyone didn't play guitar. I was like, "What do you mean?
0: <laughs> Why wouldn't you play guitar at all? What kind of family are you, for
1: God's sake?" <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm. I never. I'm not the guy to answer that question because I never ever felt anything but buoyed up and lifted by the by the. You know, if my family has a reputation, that's what it is. It's for the good time, guys, you know. Yeah,
0: you know, but there's a lot of people who really spend a lot of their life trying to move away from family so that they feel they can be themselves without without family going, but you're – you're the oldest. You're the youngest. You do this. You do that. Yeah. You 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 saw it as a warm blanket, not as I as did. A, a But I
1: but I totally acknowledge that what you're saying is correct, and and that there's even people you know from the Doyles in Petty Harbour who you know didn't want to be you know uh, you know the crowd singing on the St. Patrick's Day concert. They wanted to be mathematicians, you know, or whatever, and they moved to Toronto and and you know they're in that you know tiny tiny percentage of Newfoundlanders that we know that. They're not really jumping up and down about the fact about coming home. You know, they're like, I'm fine. Or, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine here in Scarborough, you know, or and and we're all like, What? Really? I like, Don't you want to come home? Don't you bleed to come home? It's like, Not really. You know, I'll come home and for Christmas or something, but yeah, like, but yeah, and and I know that I, I know that family and that kind of brand, if you will, for lack of a better word, isn't uh, it doesn't suit everyone as well as it has suited me.
0: Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> listen, that's a gift. That's a gift. I know. It really is. All right. I got another word for you. Faith.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a big one, because uh, it means about nine different things. Right. Doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, faith when I was a kid, um, was supposed was a almost exclusively religious a religious term you know about you know, because uh, I was born into a very, very—I was on the Catholic side of Petty Harbour, which in my little town was split right in two, with Protestants on one side and a Protestant fish plant and a Protestant church and a Protestant school and a Protestant grocery store, and and over on my side there was a Catholic school and a Catholic fish plant and a you know and like and you know whereas I hung around with all the kids from the other side of the bridge, my my grandparents, people of my grandparents' age, certainly did not, you know, and uh, it was so i I wasn't I was a few genera- couple of generations away from an actual religious divide yeah, so I could still see it and feel it right and I didn't know any of this, of course when I was a kid, but you know the fact that you know, the the kids I played ball hockey with didn't go to my school they went to a different one right because we had religious separated things so faith was all wrapped up in that right and of course i was you know I was interested in being in a band and on stage so guarantee you I put on the sutan as soon as I got it man every Sunday greatest show going get up on mass are you kidding me sing songs get in the choir awesome like but did it mean like was there a
0: connection to you to some to a spiritual or divine idea or was it just more community
1: very for me personally now and this I, I wouldn't say this for you know I wouldn't speak for anybody but I'm honored in myself of course but as a kid for me it was Community, it would mass was and still is I think for a lot of, you know, small uh, town, uh, you know Christian places that you know Catholic or Protestant or whatever that, you know that's what you do like you know that's that's what happens on Wednesdays is the ladies you know choir thing and then on Sundays is the, you know the car game and the the church is the social. Uh, uh, focal point of the community right and and of course again a generation or two before mine they were also the the school and they were also you know the moral compass as well as the police and you know the the teachers and the nurses and the you know it was all nuns and priests and 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 the calendar year was defined by the you know The fishery and the church, (laughs) you know, so... But, yeah, but, I mean, no, for me, I think... And I think it's true for lots of kids who are my age, you know. I was born in the the last few breaths of the 1960s, you know, and so I was coming of age in the, you know, in the late 1970s, you know, when I was 10 or 11 or whatever. You know, I was 11 in 1980, you know, and and I think that the there was we were about to and we, none of us knew this of course but we were about to enter a huge transition in organized religion especially in Catholic faith and especially in Newfoundland you know because there was this huge uh, story about to break about abuse in the oh, in, yeah in the Catholic church and all that stuff and it just rocked the place you know and yeah. and um, but we didn't know any of that then and and the you know we were just I was just happy, you know, being on the altar because you get to fix the microphone for the priest. And then shortly after I was 12 or 13, they we, they started remember in in the, there was a time I think it was really in the late 70s in the US and stuff, but it made its way to Eastern Canada by the early 80s where there was this folk, a folk mass yeah. Really. You know? So instead of the, you know, the organ and the and the and the ladies choir on Sunday mornings, on Saturday night they'd have a folk mass, right? And so I got off the altar to, to play guitar in the folk mass. And I was like, this is so I don't have to go I don't have to get up Sunday morning at all. Like I can go here and, and then Kathy Handlin will teach me to play funny chords on guitar. This is amazing. Like <laughs> and and so yeah, so for me it was very social and very and I didn't know as a kid that my faith was being sort of, uh, you know, uh, defined for you, know, like capital F faith, you know, and then, you know, you go through the different stages where, you know, it comes and goes, you know, in religion, religious terms, organized religious terms. And then, of the course, the, the whole thing about look, like small F faith, you know, about being, which, which for me always means believing in something that you don't know is true, right? Well, I and, like, Everything from um, climbing a hill that is slippery, that you need to climb, right? right. And I mean, you don't know if you can do it. <clears throat> if you have faith that you can do it, it increases your odds tremendously. That is not a, you know, that is as close to a fact as I know, you know? And like there, I don't know if there's been a adventurer uh, a sports team that ha- that wouldn't tell you that believing in something that you don't know is true is essential to success and happiness and 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 you know so that that's where faith and like and cat small f faith and big f faith uh for me are two circles that definitely intersect but they're not the same thing at all
0: so, I was just talking to Hoxley Workman, who says hello, by the way.
1: Oh, he's lovely.
0: Lovely. But he said that he's always had this thing where he feels that he doesn't have a lot of faith in, in humanity, that he's worried that it's, you know, we're not who we keep telling everybody we are. Um, what What's your faith like about others? Do you, do you believe in people? Do you, I don't mean just the, the occasional people. Do you fundamentally believe that humanity is is a positive
1: thing worth? Undeniably, yes, 100%. Almost always, mm-hmm. you know, and like the, look at the stuff we've, look at the stuff we've done. Like, look at the, look at the, you know, especially, you know, when I think of like, And it's a bigger question than I can probably answer in a short period of time. But it's like it's the fact that, like, you know, everything from a small coastal town like I live in, where you have to look after each other. Right. Or and that's rural Newfoundland is known for, you know, hospitable and looking after each other because we just have to. It's just a given. And I, I used to think that big cities then must not be like that. Right, they because they they'll be different, and they're loud, and people don't know each other, and it's kind of, and then I I had the luck, you know, to spend a lot of time in New York City, right, and it was like that must, and people from small towns go, they must be really unfriendly, or like, actually no, I mean like it's it's they're 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 quick, and they're in a hurry, and but they have to get along, like nowhere else on earth, right, and they like like they literally have to get along like they have to get along together like they, doesn't matter what your economic station is in New York City you are you have to walk down the like that's it you you know you, you have to coincide with people and get along and, and and be good you know and like and and I just yeah I mean and I think as well you know especially like in the last half dozen years or so being really interested in you know, in in mental health issues and, and and the like, that I think that, you know, a significant amount of things that we would would have thought of as bad or evil or are really mental health issues that that if treated properly will go away.
0: Yeah, it's like um, there's two ways to look at uh, things, you know. Uh, you can spare the rod spoil the child uh, kind of mentality or you can have you know in politics uh, i do a fair amount of work in political communications and in politics there's the two pieces george Lakoff wrote a book called don't think of an elephant uh and he lays out that for the right wing for the right of center people uh it's uh it's about that it, it's a strict father kind of idea right this but the guy who's about to hit you and says this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you and for the progressive it's the nurturing parent point of view right so for for that you end up with saying well let's go upstream and find out what it is that actually makes this end up happening Hmm. and for the other one it's kill the symptom yeah right uh, even if you crush the spirit of the person and they can't ever become what they should have could have become. Yeah. But you need more patience for the second one than the first. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's a bit, I, you know, it's definitely a a, 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 a change in my worldview than when I would have been a kid, you know, and, you know, and, you know, it would be when somebody broke into our house and stole something the last thing in the world that would have ever occurred to anybody where i grew up and when i was a kid would be well i wonder what's wrong with that guy and how we can help him
0: right it's just that son of a bitch just took that yeah. stuff and
1: yeah yeah to find him <laughs> yeah. and so like that that's that's a shift right i mean and <laughs> so but i mean yeah i mean i i i also love am inspired by acts and things that people do Like I find people amazing, like and like for and here's a simple example of like, like, you know, for example, you go to Lake Louise, right? I'm sure you've been there many times, you know, like lovely place. And you go to Lake Louise and you look at the lake and you look at the mountain and you look at the stuff and it's like nature is just spectacular. And I look at the hotel and go, that's the coolest thing to me. Hmm. People did that.
0: Gray. people wow, came
1: here and did that and look at it in the middle of all this that's us and all the rest of it working together to make even more beauty you know like that's the you know the, the, the I, I, I'm, I'm always more interested in what people did where they did it you know like and, and and I'm like, And that's that's the simplest example. And if you think if I expanded on it more, it, it would be similar. But that's a good a good way to explain how I feel about travel and 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 the like. You know, like I look at the you know the the Cliffs of Moher or whatever. You know, and, and and it's just this beautiful, untouched. Uh, you know, landscape that's incredible to me. But I look at Santorini or something in Italy with all the houses hanging off the cliff and I go, that's pretty cool. People do that.
0: <laughs> it's funny because I actually don't think, I think I, I may be on the other side of that, that piece, which is that if I'm at Lake Louise and I'm looking into the turquoise clear water and looking up at the mountains, I, I find myself in a feeling of oneness, that everything is God and God is everything that it all is this flow. When I look at the hotel, I see us putting ourselves into that, but I worry sometimes that we're, we're trying to put ourselves into it with the least amount of connection to it possible. Yeah, Hanging out at the bar in the hotel and, and then having a guided tour where we'd mediate the experience through somebody. But when you're, you know, there's a thing at Louise where you have this huge hike up a trail to the tea house that they have at the
1: top. See, that's amazing to me.
0: It is absolutely. So that's a perfect combination, right? Because you crawl up and, and halfway up, people... But people, uh, when you're coming back down, people who are still halfway up are going. Is it much further? Is I know. Going to be much further. Yeah. They go. Yes, but it's soup and tea. There's no like they don't have a full kitchen up there. You Can you need a sherpa for that? Yeah. But I do. But I do think that the built environment doesn't give me the sense of wonder and awe. Like if I look at downtown Toronto's metal and glass, you know, condominium yeah. mountains and canyons, I feel like there is no spirit in this.
1: You know, that, that's not to say that we always get it right. Right. And but when we do, but when we do, it thrills me. Right. Right. And there's urban environments where I think that we got it right. You know, like and not me, of course, because what you know, I play guitar for a living, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you know, when you go to, you know, I don't know, it's just tough not to go to Quebec City and go. It was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. The Chrysler building yeah. is pretty cool. You know, it is so
1: it is to me it is it is you know yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. and you know I, I wouldn't want a world that didn't have the cliffs of Moore and Santorini in it yeah but so but would, you're saying that I would like both
0: you yeah you have faith in, in, in what people are uh, what does the word God mean to you
1: I uh, I know what it used to mean, like what I was brought up to for it to mean. You know, was that he was the you know in, in your preamble you were talking about the guy in the chair. You know, and the, that's exactly who it was. Right. That's exactly, and the reason why I thought that's that who he was is because that who I was told in no uncertain terms that that's who he was. Right, and the reason why. You know, I think a lot of people come to you, perhaps, and think that is because they were told by very influential, important people in their lives or in their parents' lives that that's exactly who it is. And do what you're told, or he'll get you. You know, and yeah,
0: like a cop.
1: Yeah. And like not a nice one. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like he's got some. He's got, <laughs> is, yeah. He's
0: so, bugger again.
1: Yeah. So, so that you know that's like when when I was a kid of course right that's you know what the priests all said and that's what my parents said because that's what the priests said and I was always a uh, you know too curious for my own good especially with matters of it's why I did a religious studies degree and and, and because I was just super curious about even religion and I I wrote about one of my earliest questions about organized religion uh, when I was on the altar in Petty Harbor and I was uh, oh I don't know 12 or something, I suppose, or 11 or 12, you know, and I was serving mass and I dropped the host, right? Mm -hmm. I dropped the host. Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad, like it didn't, you know, uh, like, you know, I said, you know, and I said something after to the priest who was mad about it and I said, well, you know, it's just a symbol of the body of Christ, you know? And they'll, they'll all, I'll get another one or whatever and, and he said and he freaked you know at an 11 year old but freak at, at like he said that is not a symbol of the body of Christ that is the body of Christ and I was like and again I was 12 years old or whatever. and I went can you what can you tell me that again this is not the this is not a symbol of the body of Christ this is the body of Christ and I was like and he could tell that I didn't know the holy, you know, uh, the miracle of transubstantiation, you know. And he explained a little tiny bit about transubstantiation, and I didn't really understand it. So when I went home, I went up to my grandmother's cross street, cross road in Petty Harbor, because they had a, a bunch of encyclopedia Britannicas. Oh, yeah. And I looked up transubstantiation and I looked at it and I was like. The miracle wherein, you know, if I remember the terms correctly now, the affect and the effect were, you know, it's impossible to change what something actually is without changing what it appears as or, you know, you can change, you know, the look of something without changing its essence. But you can't change the essence of something and have it appear as if you have with the exception of the host. That is the miracle of Pham right. right? So, and I was like, so I went back to mass the next week and I said, Father, uh, nobody knows that. And he said, what do you mean? I was like, I asked my aunt, I asked my mother, they all thinks it's a symbol. Nobody thinks it's the real deal. And he's like, Alan, let's you know, you're gone too deep into this. Now I was like, but don't you think this is important? Like, yeah, nobody in the audience here knows that that seems big to me. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, and, and anyway, but he—I was basically told to shut up, you know, like, well, and stop asking the coolest
0: questions. Well, that's the pediatric religion uh, conundrum, where you, you're trying. In in the Jewish Torah, it, 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 there's a line that says, "Don't try to talk about these things with to somebody till they're 20 for yeah. one thing. And in that, in those days, that was midlife, <laughs> right? Because you didn't have <laughs> past forty wasn't going to yeah. happen for most people. But it's also that we we end up. You know, there's an old uh, Jewish joke where it's like, Rabbi, Rabbi, there's mice in the synagogue. He goes, yeah, don't worry about it. What do you mean, don't worry about it? It's going to eat the parchment, it'll eat the Torah itself. Like, they're mice. It was all right, all right, calm down. You want to do something about it? Go, put little keepas, little yarmulkes on their heads. Give them a bar mitzvah, you'll never see them again. Because that's, you know, when a kid grows up and they get to adolescence, they question these things and they don't mean anything. But then what I worry about is that we lose like what you do in your life on that stage. To me, that's church. That is church. When you stand there and you haven't even put the guitar uh, over your head, you're just going to sing a song for people. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And miracle. And people just sit in it and feel what you you can't intellectualize. They just feel the unity of everything and everyone. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've said, you know, for the theaters of the world, you know, that's church enough for me. You know, that's like people gathering together to share a song. That's holy enough for me. I don't ever need anything holier than that. That's like and that's a beautiful thing that Hasn't changed in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, you know. Like, you know, a bunch of people facing that way, with a fellow facing the other way in front of them doing something, (laughs) right? You know, and and you know the, but you know so. But I mean, the God thing for me was always that. That was the start of a great lifetime of questioning, you know. Mm -hmm. And the and the one thing I never had any time for as soon as I was old enough to recognize was anybody who didn't want me questioning it. Right. It's like, man, if you don't want to talk about this, then that's I'm out. Like that's totally fine with me. You, Don't worry. You'll never have me bugging you again. Like, right. <laughs> like That's cool, yeah, man. All yeah. oh, good.
0: So it's sort soon of as,
1: like as soon as I was told to not tell everyone that the transistation thing was a big deal. I was like, okay. Yo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So organized religion didn't do it for you. Is there a disorganized no. religion for you?
1: Well, you know, I, 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 it was funny. I figured, and I, I studied religion in university, mostly like religious history and Christianity, and stuff, primarily because I thought I'd, I'd be a teacher. And when I went to university, it was still uh, segregated schools. Right there was a Catholic system and pro. So I, I studied English and I studied religion, and I figured I would because I'd get a job as a teacher. And I also found religion fascinating. You know, like it drove people to do crazy things and it you know it literally separated my town in half you know like yeah. I was like, oh, like so i i always found it interesting and uh so i because i read you know i did a bachelor's degree in religion that means i'm wicked smart and then uh, you know i figured that i guess i must be atheist now and so i read like you know all the you know as soon as you when I when the Great Big Sea started I'd be driving around you know the world reading atheist books because I felt as well that that was some kind of woke thing or something like look at me I'm in a band reading atheist books <laughs> who doesn't want to go to the pub with me come on my songs must be excellent and uh, the you know so but then it, it's funny that That didn't change. It's a disorganized religion, but like it ties back to a question you raised earlier about faith, you know. And so, you know, the I describe myself now as a uh, religious free agent because I go like (laughs) and, uh, you know, I go like I, 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 I I try, I found atheism as sensible as it is, Um, like full on, you know, atheism. It's like, well, I couldn't find a lane in it so far, anyway. That uh, that allowed for that belief in things that you don't know are true, right? And there's lots of times when you believe in something that isn't true, where you no one can prove is true. That's damning and bad. But it's but there's also times when it's really good. You know, and it's really good for you to believe that you can do something that you pro- you don't know if you can. You know, and like. And there, it's good to believe or have faith, if you will, in your fellow man. For example, you know, like the it's helpful, you know. And so, like, so I don't know, you know. You know, people. Even though one of, favorite, one of my favorite, one of my favorite sort of, and I don't remember exactly which which author it was, but one of my greatest sort of rebukes of organized religion, I suppose, is you know the whole notion that there are great mysteries in humanity there are great mysteries in humanity um, there are fewer than there once was right? and the but there are still great mysteries that are unanswered what is wrong with proceeding not knowing the answers that's what's wrong with I don't know, well we don't know We don't know any of that. So what's wrong with just saying we don't know? Why create a doctrine or a dogma or to explain it? And actually, if you believe this, then that's what that's that. We'll we'll say that. But it's like, but you don't need to. You don't need to believe it. Like you don't need to believe in that. Like like you and that's that. If there's a pull to, you know, full atheistic thought for me, it's it's in that logic of like, well, I don't need to know. You know, like.
0: Well, but there's the other, you know, I, I totally hear that. And there's the other piece, which is um, we need to make space for awe and for wonder. Uh, for, yeah, I mean, you know, that you can say, people say, Pro- prove God. And then the answer sometimes is Pro- prove love. You spend your whole life looking for it. You spend your whole life thinking you either have it or don't have it. Your proximity or distance from it. And you can't find it. You can't put your hands on it. We live in a very rational society in in a time where answers are important because they give us a sense of certainty. But, you know, as the Chinese would say, to be uncertain is uncomfortable to be certain is ridiculous so either you're atheistic and certain that there's no such thing Mm -hmm. or you're highly you know uh, extreme religion which says this is literal all of it is literal and both of them i think missed the mark in between is the the beauty of curiosity and not knowing and that staying confused is a much richer vein to be in Than having answers, right?
1: And quite frankly, has bought us so much. (laughs) Being curious. And finding the answers to things that we don't know are the reasons why me and you are alive still, and we didn't die at 41. You know, like sure enough. It, it's true. Like we didn't know the answer to that, and we, you know, we didn't go well. It must be because you know, the God is angry that your chest exploded. No, but you, you <laughs> ate chips all your life, like, like you know that that kind of thing. But it's like, yeah, I, I you know, the I, I do like that idea, that notion of like, my God, how lucky are we? If we are comfortable with not knowing the answer, you know, like that to me is a blessed place to be is like, I don't know. And I don't, you know, if I never know, that's fine, you know, and like and, you know, I've often heard other other sort of rebukes or fears of like atheistic kind of thinking about like, well, what do you think? You just when you die, you just rot and go back into the ground like, well, what would be wrong with that? Yeah, I just said that to somebody yesterday. What's wrong with that? <laughs> like worms eat me, and then they go on, and something eats that, and a flower grows because of me. That's awesome. Like <laughs> well, there's a,
0: the guy uh, Stephen Jenkinson, a Canadian, who wrote a book called Die Wise said, what we seem to not understand is that the human lifespan is not life itself. It is a human moment in the ever flowing energy of life oh, Yeah, it's beautiful. so if you die and they put you in the ground and you become fertilizer and then you end up growing awesome. plants then you're still in the flow of the life and the constant creation of the universe which is what we're in the middle of right <laughs>
1: That's and we amazing. can't
0: possibly know it
1: that to me is way more than enough. <laughs>
0: it's like great.
1: Like, <laughs> it's like
0: I'm done. Thank you. <laughs>
1: good. But, no, I don't. I don't need more than that. You know. I certainly well, don't need. I certainly don't need a boogeyman. You know, <laughs> like.
0: Well, you know, but on the other hand, it, it, I think some of that stuff, like the grim fairy tales, was to make sure the kid didn't walk off into the forest and get themselves killed. Yeah. And so, I was saying yesterday to my wife, you know, this Ten Commandments thing. Uh, if you didn't have these fundamental rules for people, they would end up killing each other at a much higher rate than they are now. Don't don't covet your your neighbor's wife or their oxen or anything else. So yeah. Don't steal. Don't kill. You know. Uh, don't yeah, do I mean have that... sex with anybody you say hi to. You know these yeah. <laughs> these are things that get you into trouble eventually. You get a punch in the face at the end of one of yeah. Them.
1: But you know, there's also—I mean, the, of course—the corollary to that kind of thinking is that, yeah, you know, there's lots of people who gets punches in the face too. Yeah. You know, and that—that that looks after it too. You know? <laughs> and like, you know, it's like I don't Sometimes, know.
0: Like, except a person punching could be just as a screw. you know.
1: Yet. Are the people who never read the Ten Commandments more murderous?
0: No, but you know what? They've all made up their own version.
1: Yeah. Arguably
0: that religion is an attempt. Like I always say spirituality is about relationship, right? To yourself, to the other people and to the, and to the world and the universe. But religion are attempts at a fitness program.
1: It's like, (laughs) it's right. It's like a how to book. And and just, uh, you
0: know, and if you don't have rituals that continually bring you back, then you
1: drift off. I like those things be- because of the community they create and all that stuff. Yeah, you know that—that to me is some of the joy of, of you know, organized religion, if you will, or a community that comes from it. Whereas, you know, look, my son is fourteen, and I guarantee you he's never heard the Ten Commandments ever in his life—not one time. Wouldn't know a church if.
0: Yeah, but in, he lives in it. He lives right? in the. And you get arrested for this. you my, get Arrested for that,
1: right? Amaya to my recent check I don't think he's killed anyone <laughs> like, check his room like, it's early yet it's, yeah, they, it's only one you, o'clock when a
0: kid's 14 you always got to check the room Just
1: yeah to- it's impossible I suppose for any of us to know what, what would be like what we would be like outside of you know It's it's woven into our culture. Some kind of Christian agenda or what have you, or something similar, uh, because it just I'd have no idea. You know, like it'd be silly for me to think that my you know my you know day to day actions aren't in response to or uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah determined somehow by you know a a, you know a decade or two of religious programming (laughs) and a society and and and, you know a western world that is as well you know so
0: so the music you do now is it become what goes through you now is it the same heart same feeling the same heart that you have when you get up on a stage now than when you're in the middle of a great big sea and having lots of drinks and hanging out and becoming a star i mean what what happens when when this Alan Doyle walks up onto a
1: stage well my primary motivation is the same and that as a as well it goes back to like being a Doyle from Petty Harbor and the my primary motivation has always been to give people a good night out and to be extremely rewarded and satisfied by the fact that you were somehow the supervisor of a grand celebration. I mean, as musical as the Doyle family is in Petty Harbour, of course, they only sang for celebration.
0: Right.
1: Mass, funeral, church, concert, garden party, dance, bar, <laughs> you know? like, And so you. Know, there's a satisfaction in being from a hard-working place that gets one night out a week and you turned a good night into an excellent one. You know, that's, that's, I like that. I still like that. And I would go so far as to say, and not all my, you know, artistic friends are like it. And, but I, I love when it's, when it, oh, there's so much other stuff about it. But that's enough for me. Giving people a great night out is, that's not everything. But that's more than enough for me. Like, I've,
0: yeah. But how do you give them that? Like, sure. Yeah. Of course you want. But, but it's the how. Has
1: well, Yeah. But I guess happened? the distinction I'm making is that you know a lot of my artistic friends, you know, perform as a recitation, or they do. They hone what they do. They demonstrate it for people and hope they like it. Yeah. And if they do, they're satisfied. And if they don't, well, it's not much else I can do about it. Where I always joke that if I came out and sang two of my songs and I looked out into the audience and realized there'd been a horrible mistake and that people had bought tickets to a plumbing uh, show, but I was shagged up, I would drop my guitar and run and get two pipes and a welding torch (laughs) and start doing it like... And I'm not, I, I'm completely unashamed of that. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> that, that, that right away. Yeah. Okay, cool. Plumbing it is. Here we go. You know, and the entertainer in me just loves that so much. But I think to answer your question more specifically, I have recognized that there's a saying that's kind of recent. I think it's recent anyway, where people say a song or a night like, that gives them all the, that gives them all the feels or all the feelings. Mm-hmm. It's like that song Gives me all the feelings That's what That's what the young crowd say And uh, And I think that That's important You know Like that If you're trying to give You know In a, a show Or in a concert Or That I always try To demonstrate and include people in a variety of rises and falls. You know, in that, you know, that if it's all joy, then it's, there's less joy, right? If it's all up, then nothing's up. If it's all down, then very little is down. And so it's it's the motion, and and you know that's why even when Great Big Sea was doing the biggest beer gardens in the world, you know, I always insisted that I, that I write the set list because I wanted to try to craft that arc and that
0: yeah. hills that, and valleys
1: yeah and and then so that people felt like um they there was a message in there that they got everything they what they came for they, the perfect night is when everyone gets everything they came for and 10 other things
0: right
1: they didn't know they were getting what what is that what did you just sing about did you just sing about you know four people lost on the ice in Fogo Island at the beer garden show? Can, what was that? You no. know, it's
0: it's so interesting because sometimes when I listen to your to your music, uh, and these days particularly when it's you the solo, um, there's such a wonderful mix of sorrow and grace and passion and intimacy to what you're doing and joy. Yeah. You know, and with Great Big C it was like, well, a party!" Yeah. And, yeah. With and this, and, I, I don't get that same thing. I, I get a, no, a, and more a rounded great, idea.
1: I'm grateful for you saying that. Uh, the, the well, Great Big C, of course, had there's two reasons really for that, and one of them was our age, you know, and that you know the, you know, really, you know, I was, you know, twenty four when great big c started playing hockey rings <laughs> you know so like um, and then <laughs> if, and if if great big c erred on that side of like over delivering you know the the beer garden night out i'm probably more responsible for that error than anyone because i was always terrified that as i explained earlier that people wouldn't have a great night out and like
0: which is a lot more when you're younger
1: Yeah, and then I didn't realize as much as I do now that there's way more rises and falls in a great night out than I would have imagined back then. And that people who come, especially now, they come to, and I hope this is true and I believe it to be true, I hope it's true, that people come because they want to see you and be with you. So you be you. And uh, you know, when when there's joy for you, bring it to them. And when there's if there's something else, bring that too. You know, and like that's all part of a good night out. You know, and like so, the as you say, I'm I'm way more inclined now to have a quiet moment to talk about, um, you know, how grateful I am to be here. You know, in a song or or you know, to talk about. Uh, Something that's very, very specific to me and to let people see a very personal uh, underbelly, you know, in a song that I would have been when I was 30, you know, like that's a natural
0: progression, right? I think so. And become yourself to become present to to who you are and being comfortable. You own it.
1: Yeah. And you bring you, you know, and because people come, especially like, it's not like I'm Nash the Slash or something, you know, like, <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> I'm dating myself there now. <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I, like people knock on wood, they come to be with me, you know, right. like, so and you um,
0: take that responsibility seriously.
1: Oh, man. Oh, it's 100. That's a contract. That's that's holy to me. You know, like, did you take a night out of your life to come to come here with me? In hopes that I would, you know, I would make a good night for us all. That's very, very, very important. And if you're in the music business in the concert business or in the any performative arts business and that's not important to you, then you better look for a different job. (laughs) Like, like if you like if that's not important, like I'm not sure what you're doing this for a living for, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does remind me, though, of the sort of Vegas casino circuit of bands that used to be the band. And now there's just a, a kind of a shell of the band that goes around and does the hits for people. I always worry for the artists in there because I know they're making a living. Yeah. I have, not, I have no, no, nothing against them. But I, I also feel like they're just they must just be up there going, oh, what the hell? Okay.
1: I would say it runs the gamut, you know, because i one of the things I'm I'm most proud of these days is just I'm constantly trying to offer something new. Still, you know, like I'm just and and it's and it gets increasingly harder, right? It's, you know, but the, there is a great satisfaction in feeling that you're still active, actively contributing to the canon of whatever people liked, you know, and the but there's also and you know and I think you know you know if I had been in Journey Right I guarantee you I I wouldn't mind singing Don't Stop Believing for 25,000 people who dig Don't Stop (laughs) Believing you know I wouldn't mind it you know I'd probably have a a solo record over there that no one liked uh, stories me and my father used to sing about but if people dug it that's cool too but like I would still enjoy singing Don't Stop Believing, like I'm telling you right now.
0: You know, it's funny, because Mandy Patinkin, who, who was in uh, Princess Bride, right? Yeah. Everybody walks up to him and says, you know, you killed my father. You, you, you know, all, he does the line, yeah. and they asked him, like, you must get sick of that, man. Like, it's been 35 years, whatever, and the people are still doing it. He goes, I love it every single time they do it i just i'm with them i'm looking them right in the eye letting them deliver the line i give them a hug and i just say
1: thank you so much it's a blessed it's a blessed thing man to 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 have a song that occupies that space for people you know and that like and and, or to have a movie or to have a you know it's a an offering So I, I just you know it's it's a and I, you know it's a thrill for me. It literally is a thrill, and I wouldn't you know the Vegas you know nostalgia trip. Man, oh man, I'd do that. I'd do that in my sixties for, <laughs> for for twenty years.
0: <laughs> that would work.
1: Oh yeah, I'd be all right with that. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, sing that old one. You got it. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, I've loved talking to you. Uh, oh yeah, it was, a,
1: it was an hour probably. Oh. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's been, it's been
1: good. <laughs> I'm shameful sometimes, shameless I should say about that. No, no, no. I, about I, that whole thing, It's just kind of like yeah. And some of them, I've seen some of the nostalgia acts, and you can and and if, but I think you hit the nail on the head about it, and it's like, are they loving delivering it? because yeah. if they are then I'll love it too but if they if it looks like uh, then it's not going to be much fun you know yeah. and I've you know I've seen both ends of it I remember yeah I, you know I saw David Lee Roth not that long ago you know and and, and Dave doesn't sing super well anymore and, and he, but most of his shows gags about how he can't jump and how he can't stuff and here's a song we all loved in 1984 I'm going to do it for you best I can right now and it's like, it's like that's awesome this is you know like yeah
0: there was a guy George Oliver was his name he was an R&B guy in Toronto He, he was in a band called the Mandela uh and they did love itis that was one of their hits in the 60s and you know when i was a kid um and i ended up in this really awful cover band the 60s cover band that we used to do go around southern ontario and i was the singer and we were in the basement of this bar in, in, i think woodstock ontario or london uh we had the good we had the good gig he had the upstairs place because by then people weren't listening to him much and he did the whole kind of james brown wayne cochran thing he was really into it so it's an, they made him do a matinee show on a saturday and i came crawled down from my hotel room to sit and watch him um smoking a cigarette sitting there just hanging out and eating fries and he comes out and there's maybe seven people in the bar he gives it everything he's got
1: yeah, I love that uh, so the much.
0: mic the mic stand is almost hitting the floor, and he's throwing it back in and grabbing. And I, I was just it taught me everything about being in the business. Oh, I love like, it. Yeah. This guy didn't love have it. to do; he could have been sneering at us the whole time, and I would have understood. Yeah. And there he was, giving it. if <laughs> I'm going to do a show. I'm do. I'm giving her. I'm doing this show. I loved it.
1: I have a few. I have a few sayings. For that was one of them. I would say like, don't play the empty seats. Play the full ones. And I would say like. I was whenever you know you're playing a later attended show. I would say <laughs> to the band beforehand, guys, who do you think is awesome sold out in Manhattan on Friday night? Right. Everybody, right? You know who's you know your chance to really separate you from the pack is in Woodstock on a Saturday matinee when there's only twelve people there. That's yeah, what you makes know. you great, not that everybody's fucking good. Friday Night in New York, Jesus! Like,
0: well, you know, when you stand up, you'd look out in the crowd and see if there was anybody there. When I used to do that in my twenties, and there were guys who get up on the stage and they just berate the audience, right? They just start yeah. attacking them and they go, "Look, they showed up. They're the ones who actually showed up." <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> if you want the ones who didn't show up, go find them. Go to their house and go, "Where the hell were you?"
1: You are the lucky few. I said. I also have this ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous anyway overcompensation for poorly attended shows uh, i've developed over the years You go like this is our chance man this is a way better chance in this town than if it was full because now there's like 80 people here we're gonna go oh man there was only like 80 of us there and you got now i realize that's short-sighted however <laughs> it does get you through the
0: night and the rest <laughs> of the band would look at you go for christ's sake yeah
1: Dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. dude this
0: sucks we wanted a full house man
1: do it it's canmore on wednesday afternoon
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you all right mr doyle you take care of yourself all right
1: you too have a great day
0: all right see you later cheers alan doyle you probably know him best from great big c solo artist author some of his uh, work includes I've got, there's so many that I had to actually pick some uh, books where I belong a Newfoundlander in Canada and all together now that's just three of them uh, rough side out a week at the warehouse at, at the warehouse um, that's all Alan Doyle go to his website Alan and you'll find more stuff uh, pleasure to talk to him uh, really enjoyed it uh, if you want more info just go to my Facebook page uh, not that kind of rabbi and give me your comments about the show and who who you'd like to hear on it. Uh, We're expanding. We're going into Patreon in a little moment or two. Uh, And uh, if you want to support uh, my work here on this podcast, please do. Uh, In the meantime, I want you to take care of each other. We're not quite through all of it, but we're getting there. And this recording was done in springtime. Yes, crocuses were actually coming up new things are going to happen for us and let's just keep our faith and keep our hope uh, in each other and in ourselves in getting through this difficult time you take care of each other Uh, i'm ralph ben murgi and this is not that kind of rabbi